Welcome to the Pro Wrestling Outsiders Show, where we have one-sided conversations and unsolicited opinions. Here's your host, Kyle Joseph. Hey everyone, Kyle here. Happy to be back on the podcast, talking some wrestling. I uh, had to step away for a while, just kind of get uh, a little overloaded. Uh, and a little tired of, of wrestling, not to say that I, I've forgotten my love for it, but just simply needed to uh, take some time apart. Uh, so I am back, getting all caught up on all the world of wrestling. Um, so I thought I would take this opportunity to uh, talk with somebody else. And by somebody else, I mean me, and hopefully you. Uh, I was talking to my buddy Alan uh, recently more and more about wrestling, and, and I kind of realized how much I miss talking about wrestling and how much fun it is to talk about what's going on and to predict or or whatever you want to call it reasoning and all these other things and so i uh i wanted to take a good opportunity to kind of get back into that um <clears throat> format's going to be uh, organized chaos uh again looking to uh to kind of cover some topics nothing specific uh nothing in great detail but uh cover some wwe cover some AEW, cover some nxt which i think is separate from wwe uh, and then, you know, anything else wrestling related that comes up that I uh, want to get off my chest or slash my brain. So uh, thank you again for, for joining. Uh, this episode will be a get caught up uh, on what's going on. And then uh, hopefully going forward, we'll have a little bit more uh, current events and whatnot. So um, without further ado, we'll get with the show uh, right after a uh, brief break. Well, thank you very much for holding. I'm sure it was a quite a long break for you. Uh, it's Once again, it's Kyle here. I'm back. Um, back in black and yellow and blue. Uh, all right. So I guess at the top of the show, I, I kind of wanted to just break down the various promotions. Nothing necessarily specific. Didn't want to go through you know, each show match by match or moment by moment. But I wanted to just kind of get caught up on things and, and kind of give me my thoughts and opinions. And, and then we'll go from there. So... WWE for me is is the big one, mainly because it's accessible to me, um, and I've been watching it for long enough. So I kind of wanted to just talk through, uh, and I'll discuss the releases later, uh, but I wanted to kind of get through the the current state of WWE. Um, If I look at the last little while, um, I think if I go back to WrestleMania, uh, there was a lot of good spots in there. I think they did a great job. Battling the elements, dealing with the unpredictability, um, trying to get uh, fans involved. But if I go even farther back, once they moved out of the Performance Center into the Thunderdome, I think was a fantastic move for them. And I think that more 
groups, more promotions, more shows. If you need a live audience to create that environment, like this was a really, really well done. The fans seem to be interacted. Yes, you could tell that they're pumping in sounds, but that is understandable. But it just made it feel like you're not having two guys in an empty arena wrestling. And so it still created that feel. It created the importance, the the, the size that WWE brings. And so you could really tell when they moved out of the Performance Center to this that the things were really getting, quote-unquote, back to normal. That being said, um, if I look at all the kind of championships and where we're at with everything, uh, I think that there's been a lot of good and there's a lot of not so good and there's a bit of good but could turn into not so good um, when you think about the repetitiveness. Uh, so I will tell you that when I um, when I look at a, a, Apollo Crews and – Part of me kind of getting back into wrestling, I had taken quite a bit of time off. So what I ended up doing was I went on the network and watched uh, This Week in Wrestling. And it allowed me to kind of get caught up without having to watch hours upon hours upon hours of wrestling. Uh, specifically, Raw and SmackDown. When you think about it, it's three hours for Raw, two hours for SmackDown. Throw in three hours for a pay-per-view, not counting NXT then, you know, it's a lot of wrestling. And so I didn't have time to watch everything. Um, so, I mean, I got to say it's probably been almost a year since I really f- closely watched Raw and SmackDown. So I watched this weekend wrestling. I Then I watched every single pay-per-view. So I was able to get myself caught up for the last uh, to the last couple of months that I've been able to kind of get back on track. Um, so I've... I feel like the the, the wrap-up didn't really bring Omas into the AJ Styles uh, clearly for me. I I know that they're Raw, Smag, sorry, Raw Tag Team Champions. I don't like it. I think that AJ Styles is bigger than this. I feel like if they wanted to give him a chance at the um, Grand Slam, then there should have been a much better partner than this seven foot guy who doesn't really wrestle and is a lesser version of diesel. And so I think there, like I said, there could have been better people, <clears throat> but I missed that piece. And then I heard grumblings of Roman coming back as a heel. Um, and so I was really looking forward to kind of getting caught up on that one. And I will tell you, Minus a couple of bumps on the road, Roman is a fantastic, fantastic heel. He is finally absorbing what fans have been booing him for uh, for forever. He is still allowed to get the push by WWE, but in a way that fans can accept. Fans don't like having a wrestler thrown, shoved down their throats. So you'll boo them. Well, let's shove a villain down your throat. And you boom, which is perfect. It's exactly what you want. Um, his tone, his delivery, the things he's saying, it all strikes true. The difference being he's a bad guy now. And so you can accept it more of what he's saying as opposed to trying to say it and still be a, you know, a baby face. Um, I akin most of the stuff he's talking about to that one moment, which I think 
for me, should have been the end of Undertaker's run, but also could have potentially been the start of Roman's heel push the next day on Raw when he said, they started booing him because obviously he beat Undertaker and then simply said, this is my yard now. The boo, everyone erupted in boos. He puts the mic down. He walks away. I feel like that would have been a perfect opportunity, but they finally got to it now and I'm happy for that. I think the head of the table thing is getting a little tiresome for me. I, I'm concerned they're going to beat this to a, you know, like a dead horse. Um, the Jimmy and Jay thing is going to happen. My other concern is what do you do when Jimmy and Jay are gone? What happens if Brock comes back? Do they form this, you know, powerhouse duo? Will they conflict? The other massive thing that's really helped Roman is Paul. Paul Heyman is fantastic at delivering whatever message needs to be delivered, delivering it differently every time. So it's not like you get tired of it really helps Roman get to where he needs to go to be really sell that character. So I am all on board Roman being the Supreme bad guy. Um, I didn't care for the Daniel Bryan stuff. I, I will tell you in upon reflection, I really, really enjoyed Daniel Bryan as the villain, as a villain, as the eco warrior, the, the stuff he did with Kofi, the stuff he did with AJ, like that was really excellent and it was a really nice change. And I think because Daniel's trying to take several steps back, it was probably a way of maintaining his legacy of this underdog, um, you know, try to fight for the championship. There was a bit of a moment that I thought when he got in mixed in with edge that this might be, if he does stick around, maybe he goes back down that road. But <clears throat> alas, Daniel will be gone for a while. There's grumblings or, or rumors that he might show up on Impact. I just, I can't see that happening. I feel like he's WWE through and through. Um, and so, you know, when I look at the landscape of SmackDown, Roman's at the top. And then, you know, kind of what's next? Where do you go from that? Um, when I look at kind of what else is around, um, I just am not sure if there is somebody that can compete at that level. We thought we had Cesaro and then he kind of just disappeared or maybe, you know, Vince or whomever else didn't think he was really cut out to be um, that guy, which I think is unfortunate because I really do feel like Cesaro deserves a push. Um but I really loved him and, and um, Seamus as the bar. I thought that was really where um, where you best fit. He, he doesn't necessarily have the mic skills to be carrying things on his own. But I do think that there is an opportunity there to really, to really push him further. And then with Roman beating him and then you tack it, you know, you add in Seth Rollins and, and kind of, impacting that you really didn't really give Cesaro an opportunity to push, to stand on his own, to do whatever. They also just went way too far on the, the swing. Um, you know, Michael Cole and his job of pushing things up. I thought 
you know, is fine, except for he just kept going on and on and on and on regarding the record number of swings and the other things that he's done. And so I'm not sure yet who, who can really step up to, to Roman and really be that guy um, to really push that story along. When I look at everything else, um, the women's tag teams, you know, Natty and Tamina, sure, I'm okay with it. There isn't really a whole lot of other options. Um, the rest of the division, like I said, um, I'm, I'm having a hard time dealing with Apollo Crews as this Nigerian war, warrior. I, I do not like Colonel Aziz with the Nigerian nail, which I think is a terrible name for anything. Um, I just, I don't, I don't buy it. I'm not, uh, I'm not sold on it. So it's harder for me to keep along. Kevin Owens being in the mix. Love it. Semi Zane being in the mix. Love it. Cause those two always put on great matches. They're able to tell the story. Biggie being split from new day, but not being split from new day, which is great. Um, I think this was really his push. Did it work or not? I'm not entirely sure. I think when you start adding in three, four other guys, it's probably a sign that maybe it didn't quite uh, quite come across. When I look at the women's division as a whole, it's a little tiring. It's a little, uh, I think, pointing in the wrong direction. Bianca Belair is the big new shiny toy. She had a fantastic WrestleMania match with, with Sasha Banks. I think the SmackDown side is a little more up in the air, uh, a little more consistent with how this is all going to kind of operate because you have a little like level that certain rest, certain these women are at. And so they can have more competitive matches. Bailey situation. I'm still on the edge with, I feel like she's having fun playing the really annoying um, character. And so that's okay. As long as it doesn't get too annoying, but on the raw side, I'm no longer, not something longer. I'm getting less and less of a fan of Rhea Ripley. I, I just don't buy her as this super heel. The charisma she's trying to sell, I just, I don't, I don't buy it. Um, I'm getting tired of Charlotte. I don't think she's at the top of the top that other people do. I, I just, I just don't see it. Um, don't get me wrong. She's a fantastic in-ring competitor. She's fantastic on the mic. It just doesn't do it for me. The one big disappointment I have is Asuka. And I think that there was an opportunity to have the Asuka of old return. The undefeated streak. The um, destroying people. She should be doing that. Because she's fantastic. And when you continuously have her lose in shitty ways, how do you, how do you turn around from that? The only way you can turn around from that is if she goes away and then comes back as kind of a whole new thing, or you have to allow her to have a streak. So she starts winning one match, two, three, four, maybe she wins the belt and then she rolls from there, but they're just not doing that. And now you throw Nikki cross in the mix who I really enjoyed Nikki cross as part of, sanity it's unfortunate that she lost out that opportunity and 
Heard the Alexa Bliss stuff was okay, but the matches that she's had the last two weeks with Rhea Ripley and with Charlotte Flair, where she's just like a small child. And I, I think you're gone off TV for that long that this can't be the thing you want to have when you come back. Um, Carmella's the same way. She's been gone for a while. She comes back. Take her or leave her. Uh, I am by no means would be brokenhearted if she doesn't come back. It really doesn't uh, doesn't bother me. So I think as a whole, there is some potential. There's some opportunity there. I feel like on the Bobby Lashley side of things, though, you have Bobby, who I think is a fantastic, fantastic champion. He has the look. He has the skill. He actually has really grown into the mic. He had a rough go from what I saw when he was in Impact until he finally hit a stride as the walking Armageddon, mixing it up with Drew. Um, and, and so that worked out really well. And then he kind of came here and kind of got stuck in the Lana thing or whatever. And then the Hurt Business came. And I thought the Hurt Business was fantastic in the way that it allows MVP, who I saw on the cruise, which is why it was a little uh, interesting to see him on TV, um, come back and be the voice. Let Bobby do Bobby's thing and fill in the gaps. Fill in the segues. Help Bobby get to where he needs to go. Then when you inserted Cedric Alexander and you bring him into the mix and, and he had another guy who had kind of disappeared for a while and never really you know, came back and it wasn't really as the 205 Live kind of went uh, a little dark, uh, as in lights out, as in not obvious. Um, this was nice to see him back. Shelton Benjamin, who I think is fantastic in the ring, and I think, I have to say I think a lot. I should stop saying I think, but I, it's true, I think. Um, he's important. He's an important person for this, this roster because he is what helps people move forward. He is what helps younger wrestlers develop get the push do whatever other wrestling term there is that I, I think he's another person that's really needed and so i and i'm not the only one and i'm pretty sure booker t said it and some other people said that they killed that group too quickly you had cedric <clears throat> excuse me and you had shelton in the tag team mix you had obviously bobby going for broke and, and you had this really strong core that really had a different view, a different look. Um, and it was a nice change of pace when you cut out Cedric and you cut out Sheldon and then you cut those two out farther. Now Bobby's bringing in these quote unquote sexy ladies. Um, it just, it's concerning for me when you tack on the, the fact that Drew is always in the mix um, is going to get played out really quickly. There's a chance that he may or may not be fighting for the championship once again at Hell in a Cell. And I have to wonder, you know, where does this go from there? How many times do they have to do this? Um, you know, what goes on? And so, you know, he won his match this week with Kofi. And, and Kofi is also another interesting one because... Where do you, where do you put him? Him and Xavier are great tag team. I think Kofi, Kofi Mania happened 
it went well, everyone was on board, and then he got destroyed. And I just don't see him at this current moment back in the top mix. Um, Drew, though, is, you know, obviously Drew is great. He, we do need something different, though. After, after Hell in the Cell, we need a new competitor for Bobby. Whomever it may be, we just need something new and fresh. Lastly, what I want to talk about when it comes to WB is kind of those unusual pairings. Um, some new, some old. Specifically, RK Bro, which I was concerned about because I'm so up in the air on Matt Riddle. It's not Riddle, it's Matt Riddle. That's a whole other thing why W can't use two names and just reference one on a time-to-time basis. Um, because he's goofy. And the goofy works so far um and then when you mix in randy who is much more straight face much more serious whether he is in real life or not it doesn't really matter when you mix the two together and i was thought it was gonna be one of those stupid segments but it started to click and they work really well together i don't know how far it's gonna go at some point in time i imagine that randy is going to turn on matt um it's just the inevitable but they had great segments with the New Day um, when you had the tomato incident um, you know, with Elias and with The Miz and, and, and all that. It was great. <clears throat> when you turn on the New Day, though, you're turning Matt Riddle into a... He's, you're moving him towards the bad guy territory. And I think from a comedic side, you can't. You can't have that comedy and be a bad guy because you're supposed to laugh. And you're not going to be laughing at him because he's creating the comedy so they have to be really careful with how they go where they go from here um i liked that um riddle did the the rko which i thought was funny especially randy's twitter response who was a fantastic follow by the way um because he just he, he buys into it he sells it and he keeps up the head shaking type uh, persona, which is perfect. Um, I just don't know how. Where do you go from when you turn on on the new day? So we'll see how that one goes. I don't see them in the mix for um, tag team belts. They're just not going to go on that road. At some point in time, you're going to have the proper tag teams kind of make a comeback. Other unusual pairings is kind of the women's tag team division as a whole. You know, as we discussed before, Tamina and and Natalia make sense because they're they have a history that both within the company, within their lineage. I can see them together. Dan and Mandy is uh, I don't get it. The the double blondes. Now they're sometimes they have matching outfits, sometimes they don't. Um, I don't really buy either one anymore um you have naomi and lana who <clears throat> obviously and, and you'll hear later that that is done but naomi's another one that she should be still going back for the for the top title this tag team thing i think they're really struggling with having a set of belts without having enough people to fight for them and so you threw these ones in you had the riot squad at one point in time um, you know, you're kind of flipping around with them. And then you obviously have Nye and Shayna who were great heel winners or heel champs. 
And I think it's funny that that's the direction I think they wanted Tamina and Natty to go. But then putting them up against Nia and Shayna, and you instantly, you know, when you have two heels, somebody's got to be a face. It's just the way it's going to go. And so when you're looking at um, Natty, Tamina, that, that was just right, right on the wall. Because Shayna will never be or should never be a fan favorite. I never really liked what they'd done with her when she came up. She was really great. She was really charismatic. She really had a good mic skills when she was NXT. Then she just kind of got swallowed up by the big arena. Now, as this weird Reginald situation's going on, um, you're starting to see the old Sheena coming. And so hopefully that momentum will keep rolling and we can get more back of the Queen of Spades. The, the tap out artist, whatever you want to call her. Because um, I think that's really where, where she needs to be. So... That's kind of my rant for now. I know I've been gone for a little while, but um, W's got a lot of question marks. They're in a good space because they'll always be in a good space. Bischoff has said it. There is no wrestling wars between AEW and WWE. WWE is just too big. They're just too massive. And if AEW is going to make a run on it, it's going to be years down the road. And... People, I think, commonly laugh at thinking Vince is concerned about this or concerned about that. And I've heard it from, you know, Ruth heard it like at some best buds, but I've seen it in interviews that Vince doesn't care. If he was really concerned, he'd be concerned, but most of the stuff doesn't matter to him because he knows he's so far ahead. If Vince wanted to, he could bury AEW. And he can, not necessarily because of money, because Tony. And his dad have a shit ton of money. But because of his influence within the wrestling world. And he could take the best of the best of their wrestlers. And just take them. If he wanted to. If he really felt like he really needed to. He could do it. Not necessarily in a straight up paycheck. Also a possibility. But in exposure. In future earnings. In future possibilities. Your John Cena's. Your Rocks. Your... That level where you can just start as a wrestler and just explode from there, AEW isn't going to get to that at that point in time. So, if you're concerned about WWE, have no fear. They're not going anywhere. They will have their ebbs and flows. Even within the show itself, some storylines are stronger than others. Some wrestlers get pushes, some don't. Some will get released, um, and you'll get new ones. And that's just the way things go. And so... It's not going anywhere. Get used to the way it goes. Um, what did it say? WWE then, now, forever. <clears throat> that is uh, that is certainly true. So, that is my WWE rant for today. Um, up next, we are going to talk a little bit of NXT. I don't have a lot to talk about, and I'll explain to you why. Um, but uh, stick around, and I will be back. Thanks for sticking around. Once again, this is Kyle here. You should know that because you're listening to the same podcast and it's just my voice and it's been my voice since the beginning. Here we go. NXT. Here's my story. Here's where I'm at. My focus originally was to get caught up with the SmackDown and Raw rosters because This Week in Wrestling covers that. NXT isn't really included in that. Now, I had stopped watching NXT because I just didn't have the time to commit an additional hour and then turn into two hours um, when they moved to the, to the US uh, USA network. 
So when I think about that, as I've talked before, you're looking at five hours plus pay-per-views. Now you're looking at seven hours plus pay-per-views. And then when you factor in that you have not just the regular pay-per-views, but you have your takeovers of, of various types, then, you know, it's just, it's a lot. Thankfully, as a result of the change in the world, as we navigate the new world where we're having to work in new locations, a la from your home, it allows me to have my wrestling off to the side. So as I'm working, because, and I don't think I'm alone, I can't work in silence. Uh, drives me bananas. So I can have that. I can listen. I can follow along. I can take a break or two, which I normally would to talk to my coworkers. Now I can just look to the side, watch a little wrestling. Off I go. So when I wanted to get back into NXT, I thought to myself, well, A, where did I stop? And I stopped way before. So if I hadn't watched wrestling for almost a year, I probably hadn't watched NXT for even longer. So I said, okay, what is the spot where I could really get attached to it again? And the moment I picked was the return of Finn Balor. I always liked Finn. I wasn't necessarily a big fan of the the demon character, but I did like the Balor Club. And I thought that was really getting back to the Prince Devlin, um, the Bullet Club-ish type of persona. And so when I saw that he came back and he was kind of carrying that, <clears throat> that was where I started. Now, it's still a lot of wrestling to get caught up on. And I will be up front and saying that I'm not there yet. So I've been able to catch, kept, I had to watch over a year's worth of, of, of NXT and I'm getting caught up. And so I can typically watch, depending on what's going on, two, maybe three episodes a day, um, which is an hour and 40 minutes or whatever it is, if I don't count pay-per-views. So I've been getting caught up that way. I'm now at the point where we're currently the 2nd of June, 1st of June. I don't know what day it is today. Uh, 2nd of June. And I'm up to November's or beginning of December's um, NXT War Games. So I've made my cut, you know, made some ground. Uh, I'm getting caught up in all the storylines and all the different characters. And so I can talk a little bit about it, but I can't go into too much detail what's currently going on because I don't pay attention specifically. So I don't have anything ruined. I can go in and I'm, I'm getting caught up and <clears throat> I'm seeing the new characters and, and some of the old ones, which is nice. And the one challenge you have with NXT is it is only two hours and even when it was one hour, you're looking at three matches, maybe four tops. And so there's only so many people you can put on TV. Now, because it's NXT and it's still considered a farm system, developmental territory, whatever you want, you can mix it up a lot because you're still trying things out. And you factor in NXT UK, which I do not watch because that's just not something that I'm interested in. <clears throat> and so I'm not going to give myself that much time. Now, when some of them come over, it's, it's, it's a bit different, but I digress. When I look at the characters they have right now, and I, I'm hoping that some of these will carry through in, in, as I get caught up. Um, I can talk a little bit about what I've seen. It's unfortunate that Finn has, you know, had another injury with, um, 
with Kyle Riley kicking his face in. Um, and so there's some of those injuries. There's the Velveteen dream stuff, which we'll, I'll talk about later when we talk about getting releases and, and my opinions of him. But there was components in there that were great. Johnny Gargano, as Evil Johnny, or they say, all heart, no soul, uh, is great. I think he continues to be a fantastic heel. I guess he's not fantastic a lot, too. I'm catching myself. He's been a really great heel, and it's interesting to see Candice LeRae take on that persona, too. She needed something different. This is definitely different. Unfortunately, as a result of that, though, Io Shirai has kind of turned back to the good side. And I liked her as the bad side. Um, she doesn't talk a lot, which I think works well for being a villain because she can really pick and choose her moments to really get the message across. Tegan Knox is going to have a ton of bad luck probably for, for the rest of her wrestling career at this point in time. And like I said, I don't know. I don't see her coming back anytime soon, if, let's be honest, at all. Those are some pretty big knee injuries. Um, Keith Lee has just kind of finished his run at NXT at the point I'm at. He is a freak of nature. For a guy of his size uh, and his shape, the stuff he can do is is pretty incredible. The mobility, the flexibility, the the jumping skills, all of that is insane. When you when you look at his matches with uh, Dominic Dijakovic, they were they were you know those guaranteed home run hitting uh, matches that you're happy to see every week because you know you're gonna get fantastic wrestling out of it. All on board, great to see. When I look at the the men's title picture at this point in time, um, Karrion Cross. Killer Cross, um, who I get caught up with uh, with Impact, which at some point in time I will add it to my repertoire whenever I can get down that road. Um, but his character is fantastic. It sucks that he got injured. I know he comes back, and I know there's you know something going on right now. But he has a great character. Um, you look at Tommaso Ciampa, and he's kind of floating around, and he's he's good to have because he helps move people in whatever direction you need to go. Um, there is the... I'm not going to remember his name. The Ilio Fantasmo, whatever his name is. Um, he's an interesting character. I don't really follow him a lot. And I will tell you this, that there are certain wrestlers I just can't get behind. And as I'm playing catch-up, I will just skip those matches. It's just, it is what it is. I'll be honest. I'm not a fan of uh, Swerve, Isaiah Swerve Scott. I'm not really a fan of Bronson Reed, which I know he's going to be featured heavily as we go. I just, when you see those same two, and this is kind of the downfall, I guess, of NXT, when your roster isn't strong enough to fill two hours, is that you have a lot of the same wrestlers coming over and over again. And so those two are kind of people I, I don't this is care for. Care for Jake Atlas is another one. <clears throat> But they're kind of that, like, third tier, I guess. They're not the top of the top. They're not really at the North American level as some of those guys, but they're there. They're not at the bottom of the barrel. Um, tag team division, I think, is strong. Right now we have uh, Oni and Danny Birch as your champions. 
Brizongo's back, which is great. You have Imperium, which I really, really like. I know that Alexander Wolf, um, which I, you know, I'll mention now, but, you know, got the boot, which is, it is what it is. He was kind of the other member of Imperium, wasn't really the feature. And so, you know, uh, Volter being your UK champion makes a ton of sense. Imperium is a fantastic old school classic faction that stable, whatever you want to call them, team. Um, and so I think they're really worthwhile to have around. And so at this current moment in the storyline I'm in, um, you know, they're still featured. And then you have your, you know, your typical Undisputed Era and, and you know, some of the other tag teams um, ever rise, which these keep getting the shit knocked out of them. Uh, they're around. And so, you know, I think that's a good component. If I look at some of the other mid-card guys, uh, Cameron Grimes, Trevor Lee, I am all on board with. He, at first I wasn't really sure, but now he's to the moon and he's really getting the ball rolling and I think he's done a fantastic job. Dexter Loomis is a great character. I don't know how long you can go with him. He should never speak because I think as soon as he speaks, that'll be the end of it. Um, but his character was great. Um, I've just recently watched the two kind of special episodes of NXT. So you're looking at um, In Your House and Halloween Havoc, which kind of maintain WWE's hold on those events. I think NXT doing them is a perfect thing because they're not really main level and by do them on a, on a you know a random Wednesday or well assuming Tuesday I think kind of creates a little bit of specialness without having to have a whole other pay-per-view um, and so so that worked out really well but the Dexter Loomis and um, I was gonna call him Trevor Lee again <clears throat> Cameron Grimes stuff through the you know whatever spooky house whatever it was you know it was funny because Cameron Grimes carries that comedy really well um, and so that goofiness, obscureness, I didn't mind. And I've se we've seen it before with Bray Wyatt. Um, I will quickly digress, and I didn't bring this up in the WWE piece, is that terrible, terrible, terrible zombie crossover with The Miz and Johnny Morrison and Damian Priest. And I can't remember who the other person was. Clearly it doesn't matter. Um, and the, the zombie match thing, which which I thought was brutal, as a result, gets Miz injured. Um, and then I also take issue, which I didn't bring up before, is these celebrity people, specifically Bad Bunny. Yeah, he, he, you know, he carried his own in WrestleMania, but I just, I don't like it. With the exception of Pat McAfee. Right now, he's currently the, the com color commentator, what do you want to call him, on SmackDown. His storyline with... Adam Cole, and at this current moment, he has this group of guys. They're kind of a, I don't really know they just like fit together, but he has exceptional mic skills. And I think part of it is, is it's just his regular persona and he, persona, his regular human being. Um, and that's how he played in the NFL. Um, and so that carries over really well. I will say that when I saw him on whatever takeover it was, Probably Portland. Totally guessing, though. Um, his match with Adam Cole, I was so unbelievably impressed, so unbelievably surprised that he really stepped up and and showed what it actually is 
to have somebody who is not a wrestler come in and take it seriously. It was not a showcase of Bad Bunny where nothing can happen, where he makes a future Hall of Famer look foolish. And I wasn't okay with that. But Pat didn't win. That was key. Pat took a punch. That was key. Pat did things they weren't expecting, which was fantastic. But in the end, it was a really good match that had the right outcome. So in my current state, um, Undisputed Era in a really weird spot. Um, They've kind of stepped away-ish from the tag team scene. They'll always be there, but it's not like Kyle O'Reilly and and Bobby Fish aren't the two now. It's Roderick and Bobby. I like Kyle and the push they're going with him. He had a really, really great great match with Finn Balor for the title. Um, He had a great match with... Pete Dunn for the uh, the ladder match for the advantage for war games. Um, he's really coming into his own. And so it's nice to see that happening. I don't know how long the Undisputed Era is going to be able to keep in the way they are because they're certainly not as dominant both in cohesiveness, in storyline, in in-ring action as they used to be. They are in the War Games that's coming up. That's the next thing I have to watch. And I'm sure at the next episode, I will talk about War Games. They're in it again. And I do have a problem with that because there needs to be somebody else. It cannot be Undisputed War Games because that's what it's at. I think this is, they've done it three years now, and I'm pretty sure all three years they've been in it. And so while the Pat McAfee, Adam Cole situation carries well, at some point in time, you got to do something different. So that's kind of where I'm at with NXT. At some point in time, I will get caught up. I am trying to get caught up without rushing it so I can still enjoy it and understand what's going on. Otherwise, I might as well just skip to the current. So one thing I will say with all this kind of wrestling is that when pay-per-views come up, and next I will talk about uh, AEW and, and my introduction to them and mention a bit of... Um, double or nothing is I'm not going to go through and, and break down every single match in the cards. I, I could, but I don't know if anybody wants to listen. I mean, I'm not sure anybody wants to listen now, but I'm sure they definitely don't want to listen to me listing off every single match and what happened and how I felt about it and doing a preview of it and all this other stuff. I mean, there might be time to time where I talk about a specific storyline, but, but I won't do that. So what, after I watch, the next TakeOver War Games, then I'll just keep moving forward and, and I'll bring up things as I talk about them. So, this went on way longer than I thought just to get up on NXT that I'm not actually caught up on. But, um, stay tuned for further opinions, thoughts, processing uh, in my brain with regards to NXT and, and hopefully some of the storylines that I've been really enjoying will carry through and, and I'm interested to see what happens next. If you do follow up with NXT... Try not to ruin it for me. I know a little bit of it, but I'm trying to pretend like I don't. I'm just moving forward in hopes that I can uh, still be surprised. That's why I don't go on my Twitter until I've caught up with whatever wrestling it is so that I don't have it ruined for me. All right. After the break, AEW is coming up, and uh, I will uh, I will be back to uh, talk about that. Stay tuned. Thanks a lot for holding. 
like it's a telephone call, but it's not. And let's be honest, it was probably about four or five seconds. Thank you again. I will keep saying thank you. Uh, and probably till the end of this episode, then I'll try not to thank you as much because I know it uh, gets repetitive. Um, also, I apologize if my voice is starting to strain away. This is probably the most I've talked out loud to myself or to others in uh, in quite a while. So we'll get back to the swing of things. But <clears throat> we talked about WWE as a you know as a, as one entity and NXT is another. And so AEW is is new for me. I have to say that I've probably watched one or two um, pay-per-views. And then it wasn't only until recently that I started watching on a regular basis. In, in talking with my buddy Al, and he watches AEW, and I liked being able to talk to people about wrestling. So I thought, well, I should probably, it's a great opportunity to watch something else. Something that's different. And so I started getting into to NXT, or sorry, not NXT, apologize, AEW, which if I was to look at tiering all the different um, promotions, you have Raw and SmackDown at the top, hands down. You probably have a half tier when you look at New Japan because they are big in their own space. Then you have AEW next to NXT. That is the reality of it, and it's because the regular WWE is so massive. Yes, some of the talent from WWE goes to AEW, but when you look at volumes of people, volumes of viewers, volumes of <clears throat> people in attendance, that's a much more compar- comparable um, promotions. And despite what they think about some sort of, uh, you know, uh, and I mentioned before about some sort of wrestling wars does not exist. W doesn't care. Yes, AEW cares and they need to care in order to really push that they are something different. Yes, they may have won the quote-unquote Wednesday Night Wars, but because NXT is moving to Tuesday, but NXT is talking looking at business. And business says, I have a TV deal. It makes more sense for us to be on Tuesday. More lucrative. Why would, Follow the money. So, um, and then you have your ring of honor and you have your impact and, and, and in that. So I wanted to get an AEW. I wasn't sure what I was going to get out of it. I am very much into production value and I haven't really seen what it's like to have a full live audience in a proper setting for AEW. So I, I'm interested to see what's going to happen once they get into a real bit groove of when they're not just at Daly's place, when they're starting to move around or when they do proper indoor venues, because I've seen AEW live on a ship, which is very similar to other AEW um, venues where it's purely outdoor. You don't have the same audience participation in terms of volume because when you're outdoors you lose a lot of that sound up in the open air so i'm i am really interested to see how things go um and where we go you know where they go from there there's obviously gonna be some growing pains for aw tony khan right now has done a good job of creating a unique product he needs to be very careful that he doesn't insert himself too much into the show as in the characters as in what you see on tv 
Vince took a while for him to get in there. He did a fantastic job. Did he stick around a little too long? I'm not sure. But eventually he had to step out. I do take issue with Shane and Stephanie and Triple H to a certain extent when they insert themselves too much. I just want to make sure Tony doesn't do the same thing. <clears throat> Whether he's involved in creative, no idea. He's got his other things to deal with because apparently there is grumblings amongst the executive team. Cody, who is kind of part of the elite, but not really part of the elite, isn't getting along with the actual elite. So we'll see what happens there. I'm sure it'll be nothing. But Tony kind of shot this like random promo um, before this past Friday's episode about some other con who worked for WB trying to make deals with New Japan. Um, and kind of shooting this really weird random promo. I read that New Japan was aware of it. I don't know if the other person was aware of it, um, but it was really kind of out of character um, for a promotion at that level. It was very WCW Eric Bischoff feel, vibe, who coincidentally was on that show um, to talk about the inner circle, but I don't think they need to go down that road. And so... <clears throat> That I'm interested in. The, the the areas of concern I have, though, is almost every single wrestler on that promotion that is featured on the main show. I only watch Dynamite. I don't have time to go into AE Dark and then Dark Explosion, Revolution, whatever it's called. Um, I just don't. And so... My focus is on the main show, but almost every single wrestler is in some sort of team, faction, stable, whatever you want to call them. Um, it's I, I couldn't get over it. And it's one thing, I guess, to help bring people in to get them on TV. But I mean, come on. Every, like, you have your Taz faction, you have your Matt Hardy faction, you have your um, Evil Uno, Dark Order faction. You have Vicky Guerrero's group. You have, oh, God knows, whoever else. Oh, the, the sorry, the Nightmare Factory, or Nightmare Family, and then the Factory. And you've, in each one of these factions, though, there's really strong wrestlers and there's some really interesting characters. It's just, do they all have to be uh, part of a team? There is one female wrestler, uh, Jade Cargill, who is super interesting she is a phenomenal look she looks jacked she looks like she could kick the shit out of anybody <clears throat> and she kept going saying no i'm going it alone and going it alone because they even ran segments of different factions trying to sign her and then she ends up signing with some agent guy and so i mean even caesar bononi who i will i can't stand and i'll never like um has a team with him and so at some point in time where does this end how do you continuously have these? And so Brian Cage being involved in Taz's and he's kind of flirted with the idea of not being part of them, but somehow is still a part of them. Um, Christian Cage and Taz wanted him to join and he said no. And, you know, so there is a flutter of, of individuals, but as a whole, everybody's in there. Now, some of them work and I don't mind the factory. I'm not, um, you know, fully in the know with some of these, some of these wrestlers. Um, and so I will have to kind of leave it as 
I go with what I know and, and you know, QT Marshall's factory. And I, I, I just don't know if that will last with Cody Rhodes at some point in time, their thing will end. And then, and then where do you go? So there's those types of things. And, you know, if I look at Anthony Ogogo, who is a really interesting character um, within that group. And then obviously you have Cody on his own and you have, I mean, Cody's crew, which is the usual, the, there are a lot of young stars and I do, I do think, you know, as somebody else um, put, this is an opportunity to get them camera time. But the one I, I, I really can't stand is the, the elite, whatever you want to call them, the elite, the reintroduction of the bullet club without being the bullet club, whatever it is. <clears throat> and it was the one that, you know, you have the good brothers who are part of impact, but once they join with impact with AEW, they've just considered like they're part of AEW. As soon as their opportunities, they'll go over. Uh, Don Callis is another one. Uh, I'm not buying it. They annoy the shit out of me. They are that obnoxious heels that I don't like, especially at the caliber and at the level they're at. They should be the rough and tough guys. They should be the ones who are destroying people instead of playing these childish games with John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. And then you have the stuff with orange crush, orange crush, the orange guy whose name I'm currently drawing a blank at because I'm still getting into uh, back into it. Orange Cassidy. Sorry. That's what it is. And then you have the, the, the Lucha brothers with, Pock and, and you have all these different things and I just I don't know the attire the outfits the behaviors I just I can't get behind it and I don't know if I ever will to be perfectly honest with you I'm kind of uh, hoping that this will kind of be the end of of them so that's kind of one of my big gripes <clears throat> when I look at the two biggest um, factions and it's interesting because they're they could easily be involved in every single major storyline, every single belt, um, <clears throat> but they're not. And it's the pinnacle and the inner circle. And some of the segments have been really, really great. When you look at um, MJF, who is all honestly, along with Baron Corbin, two of the best heels in the business, pure actual heels in the business. They, uh, his turning was fantastic. Then they've created their own, and it's it's interesting because they have literally <clears throat> mirror image of your uh, your group. So you have your main guy, Chris Jericho versus MJF. Then you have your big tough guy, Jack Hager versus Wardlow. And then you have kind of your secondary guy, Sam Guevara versus Sean Spears. And then you have your tag teams, and both tag teams are great. Santana Ortiz, formerly LAX, with Cash Wheeler and Dax Hardwood, formerly The Revival, now FTR. They paired off really well together. Some of it gets a little tiring, but some of the promos that both MJF and Chris Jericho go off are some of the best that I've heard in a long time. <clears throat> I, I have my issues with Cash and Dax not being featured as the, the head of your tag team division. They should be competing with the Young Bucks as the top of the top, because at one point in time, that was the comparison between the Young Bucks 
and FTR as who is the best tag team in the world. At one point in time, you would have looped in the North. Now, obviously, with Ethan Page going over, that's on hiatus. But still, I don't know. And Alan may have mentioned something about injuries and whatever the case may be. But they're not where they should be, in my opinion. Now, that being said, if I look at the last two big matches they had, one was Blood and Glory, Blood and Guts, Blood and Guts, um, which was AEW's version of War Games. And I, I was not a fan of that match. I find matches of that type really hard to follow, especially if the cameras keep switching views and moving around. And so I wasn't a big fan of the match. I didn't like the ending and I will, I will take the fall aside. That's a totally different story. Um, it was just a weird thing to have Sammy off camera yell that they like, that they quit so that MJF wouldn't hurt Chris Jericho anymore. It was just a weird ending and, and I, I just didn't really like the match. Now, when we talk about the fall, it is what it is. Like, when when Shane McMahon did an elbow drop off the top of the cage and, and Undertaker moved, you saw the, the airbag underneath the table. Because nobody's stupid enough other than Mick Foley to just take a nosedive. And so, you'd be crazy to think that anybody thought that was actually, you know, a metal box that he landed on. Unfortunately, the camera angle really ruined it. But in the end, I think you have to applaud a 50-year-old who's willing to do it. I think the whole match wasn't good, and therefore the ending the ending of the ending didn't really matter. But when I look at and I go back to Stadium Stampede, that was really that was really fun and really interesting, really out there, but everything was followed very easily you saw the different matchups and you could follow them along and and at one point in time when they're doing shots in the bar and you know and, and that was funny and and some of the other stuff like i was easily able to follow it along <clears throat> and i thought that was that one was really really well done so i get to um double or nothing and just kind of some highlights i know jungle boy's getting the push because he's the one who won the uh world championship match uh, opportunity through the casino battle royale the you know royal rumble uh esque situation he's an interesting one to watch i like him i do not like the other two uh, i just don't know how far he can go on his own given that he's about three feet tall and 20 pounds and he's supposed to be a boy who grew up in the jungle so we'll see how well that goes i will be okay if it's just him down the road i'm okay with that I think when I look at some of the other matches, <clears throat> Adam Page and Brian Cage, Brian Cage and the Terminator thing, I think needs to go. I think Brian does need to come up with something new. Um, lose the curved sideburns. Um, there's got to be something else you can do. So, like I was surprised with the Cody Anthony match. I thought that worked really well. I was even surprised that Cody won. Was not expecting that one. It's always nice when you see that. Miro, I'm really on board with. I think he's a great, great heel with some comedy and some intensity. Him being TNT champion, I'm all on board with. Lance Archer, I take him or leave him. This motor hawk, moto hawk, hockey hawk, whatever he's called, uh, I, just, I just can't get behind. When I talk about a couple of outstanding matches outside of the fun Stampede match, the women's match with 
Britt Baker and Hikaru Shida was was fantastic. I think Britt, when I first saw her at the beginning of AEW, felt like she wasn't really in her right spot. Now she has immensely stepped up and can easily be seen as the leader in the women's division. Wholeheartedly, totally agree with it. The women's division obviously isn't at the level that WWE is, and that's okay. <clears throat> but I think as long as you focus on the right women. Uh, Hikaru Shida's a good choice. Britt Baker's a good choice. Those are the two standouts for me. Um, I've seen Rio in a couple of matches. She's a take-it-or-leave-it kind of person. Um, so I think you have to really build around those two women. Um, Jade Cargill and is another one that I'm, I've been really impressed with, so we'll see how, how she goes. The other match I want to talk about is kind of a two-parter um, in the sense of Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky versus Darby Allen and Sting. And Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky, right now their their duo works really well. They have very similar, they carry themselves very similar, and they both actually turn out to be really great heels and I have a, you know, I'm a fanboy of Ethan Page. There's no denying that. I'll send you pictures of my shirt collection if you really want to know. Um, and and even in hearing that he has a lot of, they have a lot of flexibility in kind of what they do, really stands out. And so they're fantastic. I hate using that word, but I keep using it. They're great. They do really well in ring. Ego's edge. Can't go wrong with that. Um, Scorpio Sky's work. And he's always done well in the SCU, but now him being on, quote unquote his own is worked out really well the other side though is where where i have i have problems <clears throat> one is, is darby allen i have seen darby allen before i cannot get behind darby allen i am very happy that miro defeated darby allen for the title that he defeated him not handily but certainly in that there's no denying it i can't get behind a 170 pound man destroying guys who are 200 300 pounds the coffin drop in which he just jumps backward off the top rope i feel like my small child could could catch him like he just he doesn't sell it for me so when you take him and you mix him in with sting and sting hadn't been what was tony Schiavone saying like six years that he was in the ring probably the last time was with um seth rollins there's a reason they need to stop going to the old wrestling well your stings your Jake Roberts, who just, while he's only whatever he is, looks like he's a thousand years old, and he, he just doesn't make sense. He doesn't make sense. His existence on this show doesn't make sense. But you look at those two, you, you throw in um, Arn Anderson, and you throw in um, Tully Blanchard, and you know all these old school guys that you're trying to bring back some nostalgia, some bring in some older wrestling fans into your newer product i understand why i just don't like it and sting looks old man does he look old and i he's just not something that i want to see every week so i hope at some point in time now if this ethan page and scorpio sky lost to darby allen and sting which makes me believe there'll be at least one more match um especially after they threw darby allen down the stairs which was crazy to me um, so I have to applaud Darby for that one. And the fact that they reference the match in which Ethan Page split open Darby's 
uh, arm, elbow, whatever it was, head with the shovel, which if I walk down that road a little is how I got involved in independent wrestling. It was that match that created the promo that Ethan Page made in response to that match to which on Evolve, to which somebody uh, who was Mark had sent to me to check out. And as I go down this road, I said, man, this is a fantastic promo. We go to a live show, C4, and look who shows up. It's Ethan Page, and, and I was off to the races. So I like that they bring up their history. They don't ignore um, like <clears throat> like WWE does. I really do appreciate that. I kind of like that they bring in other championships, the NWA partnership, the New Japan partnership. I think it just creates a more of a an MCU-style universe where, where things exist. Even though they're not existing next to each other all the time, they still exist. And let's not let's not forget about that. Um, but in this case, I just I'm I'm done with Darby Allen. He's 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 not for me. Sting <clears throat> need to put the old guys to bed, and and then move forward. The one last thing I wanted to mention, um, and I know it keep it sounds like I'm harping on AEW, but it's just because I haven't been watching enough to really get an understanding of the characters and the stories of of you know who's really the ones to watch and i will get there but people who harp on wwe after a wrestler leaves are delusional and the reason why i say that is for probably at least half of these wrestlers that have left wwe if it wasn't for wwe would not likely have the same success they have now i think miro is a prime example i don't think he'd be around in the same way he was before um jake hager you could probably go with um cash and dax got together in nxt like they weren't beforehand um sean spears and, and john moxley is probably one of those exceptions because he was very well known before he went to wwe and so he's kind of back there but there's a handful of them and and so first things first like i said if you if you knock wwe a lot of these wrestlers should thank them. With that being said, and I've said this with Impact, when Impact turned into Impact from TNA and they shot all over TNA, and I know it pissed off a lot of the TNA alumni because the product they put together was was something. They put a lot of hard work into it. And when, when, a, com- when a company shits all over it, I get it. On numerous occasions, has AEW, and they continue to do it, have these wrestlers reference other references time other wrestlers wrestlers time within WWE and kind of playing off some of these gimmicks um, Rusev Day is now something about Miro and uses the kind of the same color scheme and similar font and and the rapping guy who is really really clever I can't remember his name for the life of him right now but he is super clever and um, you know he's done a great job with some of you know whatever he's you know whatever he's rapping about um they're pretty slick and and i've compared him to john cena and as i listen to him more i gotta think that even his lyrics are better and more clever and wittier than than john's mainly probably because john's moved on from it but <clears throat> even in some of his they reference it um they just they gotta stop you have to separate yourself. If you're not going to be part of WWE and you don't want people to think that you're still in WWE, stop 
mentioning it. You have an opportunity to start fresh, to carry yourself through, to be bigger, to be better. It is one thing if you're talking as a company, going after another company. It is one thing if you're the Young Bucks and you're referencing another tag team in another company, a la when FTR was in WWE, or if they mention the New Day. Like, those make sense to me. But if you're Miro, there shouldn't be any mention at all of Rusev. No hinting, no whatever. We know. We know that you used to be part of that. The same can be said for Pac's a little bit different because they don't really mention that anymore. Um, but there's been a couple others more recently that they have brought it up. And I do think that that's part of that problem. You are rehashing or reminding people that that's where you came from. And C. <clears throat> okay, so that's where I'm at with uh, AEW at the moment. Like I said, as I get more and more into it, I'll be able to kind of have more of a, uh, an all-around view. I look forward to really learning more about how the show flows, how their pay-per-views are structured, how their storylines go, and, and all those things. So I, I am looking forward to it. I, it's an opportunity to talk to Alan about it, um, which I which I certainly enjoy as well. So there we go. That's my AEW uh, update for now. And uh, after the break, we're going to talk about some shocking W releases. Uh, and then we will close out the show. But uh, stay tuned and there'll be more. All right, in the world of wrestling today is some pretty big news. Again, we have more major releases from WWE. Um, this is uh, kind of just added to the last uh, couple weeks, couple months or so of some pretty big names being released uh, and, and moving on to, to further future endeavors. Um, I think it's interesting because we don't really know 100% of the story uh, for most of these. I mean, some people ask uh, for, their, for the release. Andrade is a prime example. Um, I do agree that he was <clears throat> underutilized or incorrectly utilized um, as he was a fantastic in-ring worker. I think that he really had the right way to go and he could carry that kind of mid-card intercontinental or U.S. title uh, that level. I don't know if he'd ever get up to the to the top just based on the landscape of how WWE is. Um, but, you know, that's one of those ones where he's asked for his release. They've granted it. Um, so those ones are kind of more expected, and you can understand that. But some of these other names, especially today's, uh, were pretty massive. And so I don't want to go through each and every one of them, um, but definitely some of them are, are kind of understandable, either because nobody cares about them, a la Tucker, or um, they're kind of gimmicks have run its course, um, where we have you know guys like Bo Dallas and Mickey James who, who aren't wrestling. For whatever reason, they're not on TV, so I get why pay them. And budget cuts seem to be the big thing coming around. And I know that, unfortunately, it's a it's a, a way of life. It's a reality, especially as a publicly traded company. Because people who invest in WWE as a corporation do not care necessarily about the wrestlers or whether they're getting paid fairly or, you know, what are the storylines they're involved in? It comes down to money. And the larger your revenue is, the larger your 
profits are the more money you're making for your stakeholders or shareholders, and that's what really matters. We see it in all sorts of corporations. Yes, there's times where they're willing to and happy to kind of take one for the team, so to speak, but in the end, money money creates everything. Money is the root of all good and evil. Um, so when you have people like Tucker, Callisto, uh, Bo Dallas, I mean, Mojo is another example, although I will certainly tell you I'm by no means heartbroken about Mojo. Um, they're just, they need to go. And that's mainly because there's only so many people you can have on a roster. And if they're not doing anything or they're not contributing or they haven't found a better use for them, then then why not? Um, there's a slew of them in NXT as well that kind of fall into the, it's still developmental and they're just not getting them to where they want to be. And, uh, and there's only so much limited time on NXT with two hours a week that you really don't have a lot. And if you're not <clears throat> at the top of the top, then kind of where do you go? So if I look at some of these other ones, and, and I will I will say that some of the writing was on the wall for some of them, whether I agree or not. Um, I do Chelsea Green. I'm very okay with. I know that she is married or going to be married to... Uh, Matt Cardona, a.k.a. The Long Island IZ. Um, but I'd never liked her. I didn't like her as Van Ness or whatever her name was uh, in Impact with the whole Crazy Bride thing. I didn't like her on Tough Enough. I, I just could never get behind her, so I'm certainly not shedding a tear. And again, she was in NXT for a bit and then moved up to the quote-unquote main roster, but then hasn't really didn't really show up. And so, <clears throat> from a personal side of things, I'm really not heartbroken. I think some of the bigger names that you could see the writing on the wall was definitely the Iconics. I thought it was really unfortunate that they decided to break those two up. When you look at the women's tag team division, there isn't a lot of pure tag team wrestlers. And so, when you have a tag team who is... I think extremely, extremely funny and really hits that spot that you want to try and complete your, you know, the dynamics or the diversity of your roster, why you would break those two up. Because everyone I think knows that they aren't going to be able to carry on their own. They were never going to be competing for the top women's prize, whether it's SmackDown or it's Raw. Um, so why, you know, Everyone wonders what goes on in Vince's head or whomever else is the one that um, that made the, that pulled the trigger. I think everyone thinks it's always Vince, but I'm sure that at some point in time, he is more of the major objections or major impacts. And so, you know, there's that thing. Um, another kind of couple of examples that kind of writing on was the wall. Ruby Riot uh, and Buddy Murphy, while great in-ring competitors and can really do great things they just don't have a strong enough character comparing to all of the others out there and so they're not getting on tv as much and the riot squad really took a hit when they got split up and uh, sarah logan got the boot and so now you have ruby who is heidi lovelace and i'm sure you will see her on other uh shows relatively soon um there has to be an understanding that Liv Morgan's going to follow because Ruby Riot slash Heidi was the 
wrestler. She was the leader for a reason in that trio. And if she's not around, then what is uh, kind of where's Liv going to go? Will she get stuck in another Lana love triangle? Oh, wait a minute. No, she can't. Uh, Lana is another one. I was surprised, shocked, impressed that she managed to stick around as long as she did as an in-ring competitor, but was never really that uh, that solid that she wasn't going to go anywhere other than where she was at. If I look at some of the other bigger names, though, I mean, Braun Strowman today comes as a shock. I think when you you look at him and, and even when you, you know, look at his Instagram or his Twitter and on the weekend he was getting excited to have live fan interaction again. So clearly this came as a surprise to him. You you look at how he's been built up, but every time he gets built up, something happens and he gets knocked down again. And I don't know if that's, they don't have trust in him or they didn't have, um, he wasn't really able to carry it or whatever the case may be. He ended up doing a lot of triple threat matches. And I think it's because he is not as strong or as strong of an in-ring competitor as they need to be in order to carry a championship. Um, like Bobby Lashley, who was fantastic in the ring. Um, Drew McIntyre, another guy who's fantastic in the ring. And so those guys, you can have them do one-on-one matches and be very comfortable with it. Braun Strowman is very limited. And I think when they move to this, when you take a, a, an instant or a, a moment, which is when Braun runs around the ring and totally tunes guys up and everyone, you know, thinks it's awesome and it's amazing. And then you turn that into his thing. So the Strowman Express, the writing's got to be on the wall that he, that his character is not going to last. Um, I was, I was talking to Alan earlier today and I do believe my, for my own personal opinion that his best work was when he was working with Bray Wyatt as his kind of stooge Goomba, whatever you want to call him, where he had this kind of mean streak and he did this, that great, um, I don't even know what Mubit's called it. I don't know any of the wrestling terms, but he choked guys out and he, once he kind of split out, he never did that again. And I always thought that that was a fantastic um, submission, especially as a heel where you just take the life out of somebody. Um, so I don't know where it's going to go from here with him. Um, I'm not convinced that really wrestling is his destiny. Um, I think he will obviously show up on some show at some point in time. But I don't know how much success he's going to have. Um, the two other bigger ones, I think for me, are Samoa Joe. I love Samoa Joe. I think he's fantastic. I was surprised uh, how well he was doing as a commentator on Raw. Um, but he's very injury prone. And that's got to be a big thing where you're being paid to wrestle. And my assumption is as a fair good amount of money. But yet you're not wrestling you're you know you're injured and so at some point in time you got to have to cut your losses and i think i'm sure there's medical staff part of it that rest that we is really being careful they're not going to put themselves um in a reputational risk or whatever you want to be if they're allowing injured wrestlers to come back especially given uh the concussion that he had early last year that is a a big red flag and they don't want to get involved in that stuff again. Um, and obviously the other one is, from today, is Aleister Black. And when I first heard the rumors, I said to myself, or rather I said to friends of mine, is there's no way it's going to be Aleister Black. They went, and he was off for a while, and I know he had asked for his release. 
because he wasn't doing anything. And they said, nope, nope, here, you know, you're going to, we're going to bring in something. And then they, <clears throat> they bring him in and he's got this dark father character going through this really cool, creepy vignettes. And, and then finally he makes his appearance. He attacks Big E and then nothing. And not nothing in the sense that he's disappeared again. There just wasn't enough time before today's announcement in kind of reviewing his, you know, social media. He's already flipped his name back to Tommy end, which was his name before he joined uh, WWE. He obviously shares his shock and disbelief. And I think you'll see a lot of that um, going forward. We obviously don't know those conversations. It won't be like a Mark Carano thing. that got him fired where essentially he said, you know, here's your garbage bag full of crap. Get out of here. But obviously the conversation happens some way with some explanation. And I think when the dust settles, it is what it is. WWE is a beast. It's a beast of a corporation. It's not a promotion. They have a lot of people to answer to. They have a ton of roster. They, you know, there's only so many people who can fit on a TV show and not everybody can be winners. And so when you have your top caliber and you can keep your bottom caliber, cause it's easier for them to lose to your top caliber without wrecking anybody's momentum it's your middle of the road guys that are really hard to keep going i think mustafa ali and ricochet have lucked out because they could have easily been on this list as well when you think about where they were before um mustafa mustafa ali's retribution was a giant shit show not his fault um that was a booking of a, a hot pile of garbage they could have easily just had them run there without the masks, with their regular names, talking, you know, kind of a new age job squad um, or social outcasts, but with a little more edge. Um, and it would have made sense because every person in that faction could be seen as somebody that should be on the front page and isn't. So like that could have made sense. But when you start calling slapjacks or flapjacks or whatever jacks and and T-Bar and, and Mace, who finally got rid of the stupid masks, but are still around. Um, it, it's frustrating, I think. And I'm sure it was frustrating for him. Luckily, main event has given him uh, a great run with Ricochet. That's brought Ricochet back into the mix with the U.S. title. Um, and so I'm sure there'll be more as time goes on. And I think some of these names will be less and less um, of a shock based on just looking back at what's happened. So I guess the next question is what happens from here? Where do they go? Um, some people want Lana to go to, or CJ Parker, whatever her name is, to go to AEW. I think it's a terrible idea. Um, I think she is not cut out for the ring. And I think if Miro wants to be Miro and not Rusev 2.0, he needs to stay away from Lana because that's the instance consp consp uh, comparison. Sorry. Um, I, Lady, Lady, uh, or, wow, Heidi Lovelace will likely end up on Impact. I can't see otherwise. Um, Josh Alexander was joking about how he's he needs to have retribution against her for you know some history going way back uh, before she joined WWE. Um, I think Impact has done a great job of picking up some of these um, these wrestlers that are still. In the know, they're still popular, but aren't necessarily the top of the top, or they have to shell out a ton of money. Um, 
look at the Good Brothers. Now that's a different story because they're essentially gone to AEW. Um, but if you look at some of that other kind of things they've come across, like this is a great opportunity um, for for people that need that kind of <clears throat> retooling, rebooking, go on impact where there's a lot more freedom. And by freedom, I mean lowered expectations. So people get a little more comfortable. I'm sure some people will show up in AEW. Um, whether that's a good thing or not really depends on who it is and and uh, and what the booking uh, ends up being. But AEW's getting to that point too where their roster is getting pretty big. And I know that they're running a fourth show now if you count the two internet shows. Um, so that'll definitely help. But again, there's only so much for everybody else. Um, I think the one last one that I wanted to come across was Velveteen Dream. During the the movement of a lot of people in the wrestling industry being called out for behavior that is obviously been going on forever in the business. And when you have person in position of power taking advantage of a young person, that's a problem. And using their clout or using the fact that they own a promotion or are a booker and utilizing that to get things they want from, from young wrestlers, um, I think it's despicable and uh, and it's good that people are getting called out. Now, obviously, some things are like anything else. There's more to the story or there's truths or half-truths. And so, yes, I'm sure there's some people that will be found, uh, I don't say the word innocent, but obviously not as bad. And Velveteen was going down that road, but clearly something has happened. And a lot of people have speculated that it's more about his behavior. Uh, interaction with uh, the wrestlers and backstage um, staff, whatever you want to call them. And so he has been off for a while, but I cannot imagine that this stuff isn't the major um, reason. He had a gimmick that was slow to start, but picked up a lot of steam. <clears throat> it would not have gone well in in WWE, uh, in Raw or SmackDown. I just, it just doesn't... It wouldn't carry the same weight that it has in in NXT and he would have fizzled out relatively quickly. Um, but then he stopped showing up on TV and part of it was injury, but there's gotta be a big chunk that it's this, it's behavior hits his coming across as a full bone creeper. And I think it's something that should be ignored. I'm glad that people are becoming more comfortable talking about it, exposing these individuals and these individuals facing the music. Joey Ryan is another fine example. Um, and it's ironic because his gimmick was kind of a sleazeball and he is a sleazeball. So, it, you know, it's poetic justice, I guess. But um, <clears throat> when we'll see Velveteen Dream around again, I don't know. Uh, Patrick Clark is going to need a shit ton of time and a shit ton of luck to move past all of this to get back to a credible promotion especially considering he started in WWE at such a young age. He hadn't built up that history of other promotions, that work being done where he can just go back to, uh, not CZW because they're crazy, um, but anything else, any smaller promotion that's going on around, but he doesn't have that. So only time will tell with him and seeing what happens, but I guess 
I'm not brokenhearted, to be perfectly honest with you. And I think that there's going to be more and more cuts, like I said before, as as things go on. AEW has started. There's a little bit different. Um, Ivelisse was clearly a behavioral issue, and behavioral as in did not get along with anybody on the roster. Um, no selling moves is a big problem, and and there's enough conflict that, that releasing her made, made sense for them. Um, I just read today that Awesome Kong's contract is not being renewed. Um there's another individual, Shanna, I think her name is. Um, same thing. So I think you'll see AW do a lot of that level, where especially their younger talent that hasn't really clicked yet, um, that it's a matter of, of cutting costs where you can cut costs. So I wanted to get this out there because it was pretty big news today, and uh, I kind of thought, well, maybe we just kind of let it go and, and it'll work itself out. But today's news was pretty big. So I want to take an opportunity speak my mind on it um and so if you hear me if you're listening let me know what do you think let me know who you think possibly is the next in line uh to get the boot specifically in wwe because it makes the biggest news but obviously anywhere major promotion um where people are known we uh would be interested to hear what uh what you think is going to happen so uh there'll be more once we get back from the break thanks Thank you once again, everyone. Uh, as we wrap up the show, I do appreciate uh, you taking the time to uh, listen to me talk. I sure hope you like the sound of my voice because it will be my voice. Um, and uh, my hope is that either people agree or disagree with my opinions. As I've said, you know, at the opening of the show, they are completely unsolicited, which means I can say whatever I want. I'm not held accountable to anybody. Um, but I. I love talking about wrestling. So if there's an opportunity, if somebody wants to bring something up that they want to talk to me about, they want to argue with me about, they want to disagree, they want to bring up, it doesn't matter. <clears throat> I think it's one of the fun things about wrestling. It's it's one to follow stories. It's another to watch great matches that tell not only a story in terms of an overall arc, but even an in-ring story. The back and forth, the good guy, bad guy, whatever the case may be the opera but also be able to talk about it coming up with your own ideas your own thoughts discussing predicting whatever the case may be it's probably my favorite part about wrestling because it brings everybody on the same page same level there's no need to really go into full statistics like you watch hockey and i follow the bruins because they're in my opinion the best team in the league i don't know every player who plays on that team I'm not that level of fan, where you have other hockey fans who will not only know every player, know how many minutes they play, know where they came from when they were drafted, um, who their best friend is, um, what they eat for lunch, all that stuff. So with wrestling, though, you can just talk. You don't have to be fully hardcore to enjoy. So going forward, um, I'm not sure yet the frequency. I'll try and make it more regular because I like to talk about it. I, I do miss... Uh, doing these and uh, and so I will again still focus on you know your WWE your NXT your AEW at some point in time if I can get caught up with everything else and I have time I, I might throw in some impact every once in a while and then there'll be something else <clears throat> so you know as we said today we talked about WWE releases at some point in time I will talk about the local wrestling scene in, in C4 which I'm, I'm super excited to get to that point and then we have 
WWE 2K22 that's coming and have an interesting thought process surrounding the good, the bad, and what I'd hoped to see and things like that. So it's kind of a structured, 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 spin the wheel, see what happens. Um, and we'll go from there. So once again, I really do appreciate you guys taking some time listening to my voice. Um, I am on Twitter. That is where I'll, I'll focus because I can't handle all the uh, social media. You can catch the podcasts on wherever Anchor publishes them. So Anchor itself, uh, Spotify, iTunes, and a bunch of other stuff. So check it out. Check out some of the old episodes. Turns out there's like 50 of them, which is uh, going back was, uh, was, was shocking to me that uh, we were able to produce uh, so many. So hopefully we can, you know, continue this, this road down here. And um, once again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I will try not to say thank you going forward, along with the words fantastic. And I think, and uh, we'll get back to the swing of things. So I hope everyone enjoys the rest of their evening, day, morning, night, whatever it is you're doing while you're listening to this. And uh, we will catch you all next time.